Welcome to Two Therapists Talking. The hope for this podcast is to talk about important issues related to couples and individuals who are struggling in their lives with many different issues. I'm David Thompson, a marriage and family therapist. And I'm Sherry Christensen, marriage and family therapist. Please join us as we explore these issues together, and we hope you will learn and be enlightened along the way. Come find us at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast. Welcome back to Two Therapists Talking. I'm David. And I'm Sherry. Today we want to talk about a subject that we see a lot in our offices, and this mm-hmm. is the topic of separation. Yeah. What is it? When do you do it? Why would you do it? And how, how to do it effectively. Yes. Which is a really good, I, I believe, a really good tool in the recovery process if it's utilized properly. And mm-hmm. so what does that even mean? Let's talk about that. So separation, usually in here in my office, a lot of couples that I talk to have separated before or are already separated, Mm -hmm. and they share some very common characteristics. For example, um, it was in a moment of passion or anger and upset where someone was kicked out. Now, Mm -hmm. this was building... Or someone walks out. Or walks out, right. Yeah. And this has been building for a long time, right? But what makes them all similar is in a lack of structure Structure. or organization or boundaries. It's kind of more, I'm just so frustrated. Mm -hmm. We can't be around each other. Yeah. Which I actually think is a good boundary. Ultimately, one of our best is to say just ultimate time and space. Mm -hmm. We can't even be in the same house. Although, there can be an in house separation. And we'll talk about that. So there's different kinds. But the purpose is to create time and space and increase awareness and perspective. I mean, really, if I summed up separation in one word, it would be perspective. We just need Mm. to back up and get a bird's eye view and see things differently than we have for maybe a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you're stuck in the cycles of the way that your relationship goes or the patterns and the trauma... Yeah. And I I hear all the time from the guy especially, well, separation is just a precursor to divorce. It's like pre-divorce. Yes. And it's coming. They just don't want to tell me we're done. So let's separate. But it really means divorce. Well, I think that's true if it's unorganized and chaotic and there's no, Mm -hmm. what are we doing here? Yeah. Long-term. Long-term. If it's a therapeutic separation is what we'll call what we're talking about yes. that is ordered and structured, it can be extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. In fact, from my experience, therapeutic separation, most of the time, the majority of the time leads to greater understanding and awareness and connection. So mm-hmm. for those of you listening, Healing. oh great, why would my spouse be listening to Something about separation. Should I be preparing <laughs> myself? Well, if it's done properly, it ends up possibly saving your marriage. I have seen yes. this. Yes, absolutely. So I know it sounds a little bit of maybe a paradox, but life is a paradox, in case you haven't figured that out. This goes along the lines of surrendering to victory or suffering to get well, or some of us are familiar, losing yourself to find 
yourself. So mm-hmm. acceptance, just accept that this can be a great tool. But how do we do it and why would we do it and how do we know it's time? Yeah. So what I found is if you do this properly, you gain a lot of motivation and mm-hmm. hope actually that you can do hard things. And, and healing. Healing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an opportunity, guys. I know this is like you're usually the one leaving. And that's right. Especially if there's children, you should be the one leaving. But I want you to know that it gives you an opportunity to demonstrate how important the relationship is. Mm -hmm. And that clarity, that distance, that perspective really can make all the difference. So don't lose hope. Let's talk about how to make it successful so that it's one more tool in a recovery process. Yes. What are the circumstances under which we say, okay, it's time. So when do you want to consider separation? What are the circumstances under which it would be um, helpful, helpful, beneficial, maybe necessary? Mm-hmm. Here are some times when it can be necessary and helpful. So The, the biggest one's just when it's stuck, when the relationship's yes. stuck. Right. Nothing's changing. Nothing's changing. Despite what you're doing to try to move, it's just Mm -hmm. not. And it's really frustrating and you feel like you're burning out and maybe wanting to call it quits. Yeah. That's a really good time to do it. Mm -hmm. Another really good time to consider it is when communication ends more often in hurt feelings and isolation than it does in understanding or like you're getting somewhere and you're moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just this constant negative pattern and cycle. Another one is when one or both of the spouses consistently fail to follow boundaries. Yeah, that's a good one. So I have boundaries and they just don't seem to matter. Mm-hmm. Kind of like I need to get my partner's attention which is one of the main reasons why separation can be so effective is it shows them that you're serious. It -hmm. establishes credibility. Like this is important that it's not going the way I need it to. My needs Mm -hmm. are not being met. In fact, my needs have not been met for so long that I'm kind of desperate. And if you're not going to pay attention, then I have a decision to make possibly. So, and you know, we, before we started this uh, episode, we were talking about separation as a boundary. And so that that kind of fits right here. When we have boundaries that are consistently not followed, and then we've got consequence, and then we implement the boundary again, and then it's not followed, and then there's the consequence. And you do that consistently. At some point, you have to up the boundary, right? Right. And, if it's consistently getting walked on or not um, being considered or followed, then you have to implement stronger boundaries. Right. And so this would be an example of that. And so I think, you know, in a sense, it can almost sound a little bit manipulative. Like I have to get my partner's attention or I have to like <laughs> do something to, you know, make make them know how serious I am. Um, that can feel almost a little bit manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, if you, you can look at it in terms of it being a boundary where if that has been walked on consistently or not followed consistently and you're not getting your needs met in that way, then it's time to set a stronger boundary. 
Right, and if you remember from the trust discussions episode, we talk about consequences to things like slips, relapses, Mm -hmm. and then as it gets more serious, if they're lying, if they're lying consistently, if there's a period of time where just nothing is happening, well, that's when separation is actually a really good consequence. Yes. Another circumstance in which separation can be helpful is when one or both spouses are consistently acting out in ways that are harmful or hurtful. So this can be part of that negative patterns of communication where you're um, having all fighting and having these situations where there's hurt feelings, isolation all the time, or there can be actions, whether it's acting out or other things where there's this consistent uh, issues, consistent things happening that are harmful or hurtful. And especially if they seem indifferent or apathetic mm-hmm. to your pain. Mm-hmm. Or intentionally looking to hurt. Right. Which is a whole other ball game. And if that's happening, then absolutely you should consider separation. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's one of the easy reasons why, in my book, to separate. Yeah, if it's intentional. And then uh, kind of the final time that it's a good idea to consider separation is if there's ongoing gaslighting. So again, if you're not familiar with that phrase, it's taking reality and twisting it to say, oh, that's not actually what's really going on. This is what's really going on. Right. So that generally tends to make the other person feel a little bit crazy when (laughs) you're, (laughs) when someone's telling you that something else happened than what really happened um, to make them look better or feel better um, than that individual who's being gaslit usually tends to feel a little crazy or like what is going on? I don't understand what's happening here. So if there's a lot of gaslighting going on, that's a really good, it's a really good option to consider separation to get some space to be able to clear your head. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these situations where gaslighting is going on, it's it's fairly consistent over a long period of time. And the spouse that's getting gaslit can get so confused over what is actual actually reality. Right. And having that space where they can breathe and say, Okay, no, I know what I know. I know what really happened. I, you know, all of that without that constant other voice can be really helpful. Yep. So when we talk about separation, it's kind of really two options. There's an in-house separation, which can come first, not always, but usually does. Mm -hmm. And then an out-of-house separation. And a lot of this depends on your circumstances. Mm Mm-hmm. Often couples will say, well, it's going to cost more if we do an out-of-house separation. And uh, if they have to stay with someone, it's uncomfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not too worried about it's uncomfortable for them if they have to stay with yeah. family or parents. But sometimes that's just not an option and they have to actually rent a place or stay in a hotel. And it's understandable that that's hard and frustrating. But again, I think not inappropriate as a consequence to behavior that hasn't changed any other way. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have to figure out, do we start with an in-house separation or maybe go right to an out-of-house separation? An in-house can look like a couple of different things based on 
the level of severity of the consequence. Um, so that can look like just being outside of the bedroom, but all your stuff is still in the closet and right. all of that, right? It can look like um, having all of your stuff removed to a different room. It can look like um, even... So besides that, maybe other things aren't uh, that different, right? You're eating mm-hmm. together, you're, you know, doing laundry together, those kinds of things, um, all the way to a completely separate space where you're in charge of all your own meals and laundry and all of that. So there's a lot of variety right. in what that can look like. And and oftentimes we'll see uh, kind of a mini a mini separation, right? If there's been several relapses or something, which more looks like, Hey, you know, on the couch for the night or in the guest room for a night, right? That could be termed sort of a very mini separation in-house separation. So lots of different options there and things that you can consider. Cause a lot of times people don't consider all the different ways that you can do an in-house separation. Right. And if it's convenient to do an in-house separation and too hard to do an out-of-house separation, definitely start there. Mm-hmm. But be open to they've got to figure out how to make an out-of-house separation work. Mm-hmm. Don't not do it because... It seems hard. It seems hard. It doesn't make sense how you would. You don't see how. The marriage coming back together and reconciling and being stronger and healing is worth figuring this stuff out. Yeah. It really is. And the whole idea is that these separations are intended to speed up recovery. Right. Because kind you're of, giving space. Kind of like healing. a lie detector test. Yes. It, <laughs> on first glance, is like, oh, how does that help? Ugh, yeah. But it actually so will much. speed the recovery process up. Mm-hmm. So we want this to be effective. There's guidelines that can really help this to be a more effective process. So we're going to talk about some of that. Um, and again, not all of these have to be in place exactly the way we're talking about them. But I, I want you, we want you to consider all of these in your situation. So big one, and these are not in any particular order. Child care. Child care should not fall to let's say the wife because she's staying home and he's leaving. And so now he just sort of almost gets a break or a vacation and she's doing everything Mm -hmm. all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Um, Find a way to split childcare duties so it doesn't all fall on one spouse. She, for example, is going to need breaks too. And there should be times where he comes home and she leaves and she can do things that are important to her and her self-care. Mm-hmm. So as evenly as you can possibly split that, you need to do that. Yes. Very, very important. Okay. Another thing to consider is knowing what of the household matters each spouse is going to attend to and what the role will be. So who's running who to practices? Right. Um, are you splitting you know, meals? Again, with in-house, that changes things right a little bit laundry those kinds of things so just making sure you're considering all of those pieces yes and that brings me to another point that i think is really important Um, you want to limit your communication to only what's essential Mm -hmm. this means children coordinating 
schedules, that sort of thing for the first 30 days or so is what I recommend. This means <laughs> you should be communicating via text and email. No talking about serious issues for some time. Like, yes. for example, two weeks. Um, it can't be, well, if it's an in-house separation and we're kind of still together, that we're carrying on as normal. That's going yes. to defeat the purpose of the separation. Right. So you have to be really good about this. Take this seriously. Otherwise, it just it just messes everything up. It really <laughs> it's just does. not effective. It's just not going to work. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, why are we separated if we're still fighting every day, you know, calling each other and fighting over right. whatever the issues are? Every time we're around just... each other, we're getting in arguments. Mm -hmm. You may not talk. Yes. About... One of the rules that I just say is just, just talk about hard stuff in therapy sessions only. Yep. In therapy sessions only or... If it works and you can pull this off and you may not be able to follow the empathy skills building format from mm -hmm. our previous podcasts mm -hmm. and see if you can pull it off. And if you can't, then you're done and you yeah. keep it only for in therapy. But even still, you know, wait, wait that 30 days to see if you can give some space. Right. No serious issues whatsoever for a minimum two weeks is yeah. what I tend to think is, is a good fit. And again, yeah. everybody's a little bit different, but I don't think you're so different that you can go sooner than two weeks. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even know you, but I don't think you're an exception to that rule. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, again, that is such a, a minimum, minimum thing. So kind of going along with that. So how, if we've got 30 days, if we've got two weeks then of the communication, then what, how long are we separating? And it's really kind of recommended to do at least 60 days. Yeah. To You're going to really need that much time, months. believe it or not. That sounds like a long time. It does. It does, but it's really not. It's really not, especially in light of how long it's been hard. Yeah. If you, if you put it into perspective. Yeah. If you're looking at doing, um, you know, just like a week or two, it's, it's really, it's just not enough time. And you're going to come back in the same place. And then it's going to feel really frustrating. Like, look, we even tried separation and it <laughs> right. didn't work. Right. Yep. But there hasn't been any kind of period where you can start to heal, where you can have some space to do your own personal work and all of that. So really you've got to, You've really got to look at 60 days for it to be start being super effective. Um, and with that, what I'll tell clients is, you know, we decide on that time. That's like, that's the minimum time. And we are not talking about any kind of, rec like any kind of coming back together until that point. Because right. otherwise, you've got one party usually that's sitting there thinking, oh, maybe I should not do this anymore. Maybe we should kind of, you know, maybe I should let them back in or maybe I should, uh, maybe I'm being a little too over the top, right? So they're then constantly thinking about it. And usually the other party is like, okay, is it now? Are we good now? Are we good now? Can <laughs> right. we come back now? And that then, again, completely defeats the purpose of right. the separation. So if it's like, okay, we're going to do this a length of time is that we're not going to talk about coming back together again until that point. Right. Yep. And what can be really helpful as just a 
guide or template is in the second and third podcast episodes we did. We talked about steps to recovery for mm-hmm. both the addicted partner and the betrayed partner. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a really good format to follow. So what am I doing while yes. we're separated? Yeah. Follow that and, you know, you're not going to go wrong. So so let's talk need... about little bullet points of like, okay, wh- what is this going to look like structure-wise? Yep. Who's leaving the house? How will they have access to the house when they need it? Yep. You have to figure that out. Child care stuff goes along with that. And it can be really helpful to create a schedule for who's home at what time on what day. Yeah. One thing that's important to note um, is talking to the children about what's going on. If it's an in-house separation, you can probably get away with not needing to say very much as you Mm -hmm. work on the relationship. But if it's an out-of-house, it's kind of weird for the children, Mm -hmm. depending on their ages and where they're at. And so a really good conversation would be, Mom and dad are working through some things, and sometimes people need time and space, which, by the way, is teaching healthy, healthy communication boundaries. and boundaries. And, oh, that's beautiful. Right. And make sure it's not about someone in particular. Don't make this. It's tempting to make it about, well, they did some things, and now we can't be together. Even yeah. if that's true, technically, it's not helpful for the, for the children. children. And in time, maybe that will be the message. But certainly not during separation when you don't even know where this is going to end. And, and you're if, hoping for reconciliation. Right. And if it works, the goal. now it's kind of this question mark of, well, what did they do that was so bad that you had to kick and them out of the house? What are we talking about? And yeah, what was this whole thing going on? Yeah. So have a consistent message to the children mm-hmm. where you're not blaming the other person. It's all about choice and consequence. Yeah. We're just taking some time and space. It's helpful, too, if each of you can compile a list of your own goals. Right. And again, that goes back to just what we talked about going back to those earlier uh, episodes. Right. Those. What can, what should I be doing? Steps to recovery. Goals. No joke. If you haven't listened to those, they will point (laughs) you in the right direction for your recovery process. So personalize those goals, which ones are more important, and make that what you are accomplishing in this process. Yeah. What are you willing to do for yourself and for your partner to work on trust? Um, it's not a list. You're not going to put together a list of what your partner needs to do. Right. You're not making their list. Yes. Which can be tempting for a betrayed <laughs> spouse. Right. Like, okay, they can come back in when, you know, all of those things. So what are your goals during the separation? And then you need to think about what your spouse needs to do for successful reintegration. So there is a little bit of what needs to happen on the other side. Right. Right. Those would be, that would be the boundaries. And there's a difference. You're identifying what you need. You're Mm -hmm. not telling them what they need to do. Mm -hmm. Let them figure it out. Like they already know. Um, So my spouse needs to demonstrate blank by doing blank. And for the person who's leaving, remember, a lot of this is attitude. This isn't just a checklist. You can't be successful if you do everything you're supposed to with a bad attitude. Also, an important thing is to, if you can, have 
a third party that's going to help you with support, um, mm-hmm. like a therapist, uh, a coach, maybe a religious leader, a family member. And again, going back to the steps to recovery, not someone who's telling you what to do or gets upset at you that you're not doing what they think you should be doing. Mm-hmm. No, but somebody that you can bounce ideas off of. I mean, I really mm-hmm. ideally think that working with a therapist, therapist in this process would be really helpful. Yes. Hence the phrase therapeutic separation. Therapeutic, not normal separation. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You just need some of that structure to be able to kind of go through and say, okay, here, here's what we're doing. That third party that can say, okay, you know, that's a boundary and that one's kind of manipulative. So, and that can kind of be a mediator for both sides um, or a moderator to kind of bring you together on those ideas and, and what you're doing in that separation process. Um, So I think, Absolutely. That non-biased third party is really, really important for this. Yep. Let's not introduce physical touch too early. This can really blow it as well. Ooh, this is a tough one. It is. Because normally I would tell clients who ask me, well, how intimate should we be just through this whole recovery process? And my rule of thumb is to say... Uh, if you're feeling it, do it in mm-hmm. the sense of if we're feeling more connected because we've been mm-hmm. talking and we're feeling understood and mm-hmm. we had a really good conversation the other night and I just wanted to be with them physically because I felt so emotionally connected, which is good. Yes. I'll say, trust your heart on this stuff. Yes. Which is tough. I know, right? Trust your heart is kind of an open invitation <laughs> a little yes. bit. Yes. But it's a process of learning, right? right? And you have to actually have the experiences of, of learning, trusting your body, you know, and all of that in order to have any idea where to land on that with your yeah. own personal boundaries, right? So this having... This is one of those times we're not doing that. <laughs> and we actually do want to create more space because, again, right. if you are living separately but you're just getting together and having sex or you know making out or whatever it is whenever the fancy strikes then why are we separated it confuses things it really does so having said that all trust your heart thing um (laughs) here's the recommended guidelines Typically, we'll say no physical touch for 30 days. And after 30 days, only non-sexual affection with permission and only if both are in agreement. It's kind of like you're stepping back. Don't say, well, since we're married, I'm going to take this for granted and I still have free reign to reach out and touch you when I... When I want to, right? That's That's not what this is going to be. Yes, is to create space. So you do want to make sure that both sides are. In agreement. Right. That both sides are saying, okay, this is okay. It's, again, it's, it's, you're separating the relationship out a little bit. Right. We'll recommend a period of sexual celibacy for, for 60 days. So even though things are yes. going well, you're introducing maybe affection back in slowly, mm-hmm. still no intimacy for 60 days. Yes. This is big. And it can be really hard 
And if it's really hard, it can be really hard, especially if the separation is working. Yes, that can be a good thing. If it's hard, that means, hey, I want to be with this person. Right. Right. And so if that is feeling hard for you as a couple, then that's that's a really good sign. And that to me is saying, great, when we get back together, then we're going to be able to move forward. And at the same time, you know, sometimes sexual intimacy gets confused with emotional intimacy. Like, this is the only way I can feel close to this person or whatever. And so when we separate that out, then you can start to see that a little bit where you can start to see if, oh, man, I'm relying on sex to fulfill any emotional connection um, in the relationship. So, And what I've noticed, I mean, this could be another podcast episode, celibacy, sexual celibacy, but... Sex fast. Sex fast, yeah. Oftentimes a free Fast is a better word. I like it. A little more intentional (laughs) and deliberate. One of the things that this does is for those who most of their connection comes through sexual intimacy, mm-hmm. meaning they don't have to try as hard to be emotionally intimate because they, they're getting their needs met. Yeah. Uh, this forces them to connect in other ways. And that means yes. talking. And that means time yes. and quality time. So this actually ends up doing a lot of good things. And I have seen a lot of couples who get stuck for a long time, we do a sexual fast or celibacy period and it unlocks things and it starts to move. So I'm a big fan of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sex fast can be so helpful. So this is a great time to do it is during a separation um, because there's a natural separateness of people and the relationship of the two people in the relationship. Yes. So the only other thing um, that I think is really important is just like everything else, we need consequences. If the boundaries for the in or out of house separation are not followed, usually what that means is more time and separation. Mm -hmm. And if it's in house, it can mean an out of house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Agree to work together with help if you're hitting dead ends in your attempts to reconcile. Fight to make it work. Involve whatever resources you can. This can be one of the most important things you ever do. And when you consider when you consider divorce and its total impact yeah. in time, in mm-hmm. resources, money, children, yep. whew, this is a small price to pay, I promise. Yes, yes. It's worth it to do it and to do it right. It is. If you can then take that and reconcile, it is so much better than divorce. It is. So hopefully this is really helpful in giving you some ideas of when do we do this? Right. And how do we do this? Um, What are some of the things to consider? Again, strongly, strongly consider um, meeting with a therapist and going over uh, some of these things and they can help you walk through that. But again, we're just trying to hit a lot of those bullet points for you to try to help you as you're considering this process and how to do it. 
in a way that can really strengthen and jumpstart recovery um, and connection. It really can. So first blush, oh no, separation, we're done with order and structure mm-hmm. and a plan and follow through. It can actually be what saves. Again, yes. one of those paradoxes. Mm-hmm. Parts of you will have to die so you can fully live. <laughs> I love that. You know, like so many of our little moments come back to some of these concepts, and it's it's fun to hear those. But and that's true of the relationship too, right? Yeah. Sometimes you need parts of that relationship to die off in order to create something that's new and beautiful and healthy. Yes. I hope that was helpful. Thank you for joining us. Yes, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at twotherapisttalking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.